Thank you, Michael. I've brought my old school up here just in case I need it. Um, flick, I didn't hear that. Oh, flick back to the uh, passage that we looked at at the start. That's what we're looking at today. My name uh, is Josh Lewis. I'm one of the uh, ministry team here, and it's really good to be with you. Uh, welcome. Welcome, particularly if you're visiting today, uh, particularly if you're here for the baptism. It's great to uh, uh, have you with us uh, this morning. And it is a, it's a, it's a hot day outside uh, today, so I thought I'd start this morning just by taking us to somewhere cool. Okay, we're going to the snow fields. I don't know if you are a skier or a snowboarder, but I want to tell you about a man who was a skier called Mike Grace. He's from Narrabeen, and uh, he was at Threadbow a few years ago with a mate. They were skiing. They went off the trail. The mate went down first. Mike came down avalanche. He's trapped beneath all this snow. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that before. It's a pretty extreme situation. Imagine that you're there. This is what Mike said about uh, what it was like. I couldn't even move a finger. I was locked into position. I freaked out right then. I started hyperventilating, yelling out. It was terrifying. I'm sure it would have been terrifying. Imagine what it would be like not to be able to move at all, not to know if anyone was ever coming for you to be trapped there. Imagine what that would be like. He felt powerless. He thought he was dead. In that moment, right, Mike Grace got a sense of being totally helpless. We're looking at the story of a man today who is helpless. He's helpless in more ways than one. He's helpless because of his broken body, but he's also helpless because of his internal brokenness. And we're going to look at how Jesus brings him God's favor. That's what we've been looking at in this series. If you've been with us, we saw a few weeks ago that in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, the year of the Lord's favor is here. And so we've been seeing over the last few weeks, Jesus meet regular people. And as he meets them, uh, we've seen how the Lord's favor has broken into their lives. And so now in Luke uh, chapter 5, Jesus is teaching and healing. He's in this house that's so chock-a-block full that people can't get in. People have crammed in to see him, and we meet our paralyzed man. So keep your Bible open. We're going to step through this this story. Um, The outline uh, should come up as we go, uh, so you can follow along with where we're up to. But have a look at this paralyzed man. Have a think about how he might have been feeling unable to walk for years. Imagine he would have been able to see like, see, imagine a mosquito coming down and landing on his leg, but not feeling it bite him at all. Unable to get himself up to go and get something to eat, go to the toilet or anything like that. Now he's not even able to get himself to go and see Jesus. But it's, uh, it's lucky for him he has some good mates. See, this man, he knew intimately what it was like to feel helpless, to be helpless. Now, some of us here today probably do relate pretty closely with this paralyzed man. We may feel our own physical weakness and brokenness, or perhaps it's emotional or relational issues uh, that are going on in your life. And you think, yes, I, I am helpless to fix that. But others probably don't feel that way at all. We, we all do get insights into this kind of helplessness in moments of crisis in our lives when we're perhaps unwell or injured or there's a particular relational situation that's going on that we can't manage. But often things return to normal. 
It's perhaps um, the comfort of this part of the world that we live in and, and the lie of our culture that says there's nothing more than what we can see. That means we don't often, I guess, understand the reality of our weakness, our helplessness. We're told that we're powerful. If you're someone who, who has chronic health or emotional battles, uh, that is extremely difficult. And your, I guess, awareness of helplessness is, is ever present. But, but what you feel is actually, that, that's an accurate representation of how our world is. See, there will be a point when every one of us will be objectively helpless, right? Everyone will end up kind of like this man at some point. It might not be our legs that go. It might be some other part of our body. It might be our minds, which I think is even more scary. But our bodies are going to decay. We'll be slowed down by death itself, if, if not before. So in reality, we are each helpless. We are desperate, even if we don't realize it. But knowing that reality, realizing it, is really important because it means you can come to Jesus in the only right way to approach him. You can come to him for help. And knowing your helplessness in a physical or emotional or relational sense gives you a hint, actually, at the deeper helplessness that we are all in as well. We'll come to that. But this man, he knew. He knew he was helpless. Imagine, though, what he'd feel when he hears that Jesus is in town, that there might be someone who can make him better. You know, you question in your mind, is, is it possible? Is this true? And then your friends turn up and they say, we're going to take you to see him. And you think, oh, my word, what's going to happen? This is the guy who's just recently healed another guy of a serious skin disease, just like that. And so you get there, you can't get in, you think, it's not my day. But then they dig through the roof, and they lower you down right in front of Jesus, in front of everyone else. Everyone's watching, and Jesus is there, just a meter away from you. The guy who you think might be able to make you well again. Will he heal you? Jesus opens his mouth, and he says, your sins are forgiven. You think, what? Sins? This is not what I was expecting. I finally come and found the person who can make me walk again. And he says, my sins are forgiven. What the heck? It doesn't even seem to make sense. Well, there are two reasons why what Jesus says here, your sins are forgiven. It's actually amazing. Two beautiful things that his claim shows us. First, it shows us how that man and how we are really helpless, deeply helpless. See, there's a guy lying there in front of him who clearly wants to walk. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now, it seems this is a bit like if there was someone who was like running around on fire and there's a bucket of water there and you don't pick up the water. You just say to them something like, I'm going to make you a banana smoothie. It doesn't make any sense, right? They seem completely unrelated. And in that case, they are unrelated. But what Jesus says here, your sins are forgiven. He's saying, no, no, actually, this is related to what you've come to me for. He's not saying that the man's sickness doesn't matter. He's saying, if I only heal your body, that's not enough. He's saying what you really need deep, deep down is to be right with God, to be free to relate to him properly. And actually, your problem being disconnected from God, the source of life, that's actually the cause of your own suffering right now. He says, your sins are forgiven. 
right? Sin, think about it, it's turning your back on the creator, the source of life. It's departing from his good way of living. Now, we're all guilty of that. And we're also all victims of the consequences of that being a a rampant thing in our world. Now, some consequences are easy to trace, right? So you know what it is for someone to, to say something to you that is hurtful. They say it, they sin, and you feel the hurt of that directly because it's right there. But it's so much bigger than that too. You know, you look around the world and you see people, in, uh, people who are innocent die in wars that are caused by people sinning that they don't even know, that they've never met before. We see uh, places ravaged by earthquakes or tsunamis and the the links there are even more complex. But the Bible says all the, the suffering in our world is a result of people's sin. So just looking back at our passage, did this paralyzed man sin? Yeah, definitely. He's, he's part of this broken system. He can't not sin. Was this man's sin directly linked to his uh, paralysis? It doesn't, it doesn't really say. We don't know how he got paralyzed. Maybe there's a connection. But it could be just as likely that he was born this way. And this is how it's always been. Tragic. Not a direct link between what he does and his illness, but still a result of sin in the world. So is this man's paralysis a result of him living in a world riddled with sin? Yes. This man both experienced the consequences of sin deeply and intimately and every day, and he was a partaker in sin himself. This man felt the effects of it, perhaps more acutely and and obviously than most of the other people there on that day, perhaps more obviously than us as well. But just like him, we are helpless to deal with the consequences of sin, like paralysis, like sickness, like frailty in the world. And we're even more helpless to deal with our involvement in sin. So there he is, he lies before Jesus, hoping for, for freedom, Uh, from his paralysis caused by being born into a sin-infected world, the consequences of sin. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. You're released from your involvement in sin. You are free. You're free to once again be in the presence of the God who made you and to live as you were made to live. Jesus' response is, is one of deep compassion. It shows us how we're really helpless. So the second reason that what Jesus says is amazing is that it shows us that actually he can help. And this is what the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law pick up on. They've come from all around, far and wide, to to check Jesus out and see what they say in verse uh, 21 or what they're thinking. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, to understand their offense um, and what Jesus has said, you really need to get two concepts, right? So concept one, it's pretty obvious, but the only person who can forgive you for something is the person that you've wronged, right? So just say, for instance, Scott gets up, and I like Scott, but just say, for instance, he gets up now, grabs my phone, smashes it on the ground there, and it just goes, and it's broken. Imagine that. 
terrible, I know. Scott, unbelievable. Anyway, imagine he does that, and then Gavin gets up and looks at Scott with sincerity in his eyes and says, Scott, you are forgiven. Not in his role as a minister, just personally. You can't do that anyway as a minister, but just personally. He says, you're forgiven. That's, ri- that's ridiculous, right? And I mean, it, it's obviously nonsensical. And also, it would be moderately offensive to me that my phone has been broken. I'm the one who's lost out, and Gavin has somehow forgiven Scott's, you know, whatever. So it doesn't make any sense. So that's concept one. When you forgive someone, you presume you are the one who has been hurt by the action. Okay, so that's concept one. Concept two is the... The, the one person, the one being who is always hurt by every sinful action is God, the creator. He's the one that made everything to work in a certain way. He's the one who made everything to work well. He's the one who made every person and made this world and deeply cares for them. So you deliberately belittle your friend in front of someone else. Obviously, that hurts that person, but it also hurts God, right? Who made that person? who can't stand for the evil that's going on in that moment. The things this paralytic has done to other people in his life, which he has, the things he's thought, the things he's said, his refusal to worship God with every ounce of his energy as he was made to, all of these things are anti-God, right? They offend him. And so that's concept two. And if you understand those two concepts, you come back to Jesus looking at this man he's never met before. He says, your sins are forgiven. He's saying that even though we've not, we've not met here before, you've, you've done all these things in your life. You've hurt me. I can forgive you. The Pharisees make the connection for Jesus to say, your sins are forgiven. He must somehow think he is God. That's why they think he's blaspheming. And, and Jesus knows it. So he asks them a question. Have a look at uh, verse 22. Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Right? It's an ingenious riddle, because the answer is not immediately obvious. Right? It's a bit like, imagine if I was to say now, in fact, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. Okay, which is easier for me to say? Right now, I'm going to show you $100,000 in cold, hard cash. I'm going to show you $100,000 right now. Is that easier for me to say? Or is it easier for me to say, tomorrow, if you come back here, I'm going to give you $100,000 in cold, hard cash. Okay? In some ways, it's easier for me to say the thing about tomorrow. Because you won't know until tomorrow if I'm lying or not, right? That's down the track. But in other ways, it's much harder for me to say that. Because if if I'm telling the truth then that's going to cost me. That's going to cost me $100,000 in cold, hard cash, right? That's, that's actually much harder to say in that sense. So for Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven, right? That might seem easier in the moment because no one could prove him wrong right there and then. But actually forgiving sins is so much harder because it costs him. See, only someone who hasn't had to forgive thinks that it's easy to forgive sins. It's easy to forgive someone else because forgiving is costly. You know that example before where Scott, unbelievable Scott, where Scott broke my phone. Do you remember that? Unbelievable. Think of that. Scott breaks my phone. Then what are the, what are the, what are the ways that situation can resolve? Well, either he pays for it, I pay for it, or 
I don't pay for it, the phone doesn't get replaced, but I do pay for it by not having a phone, right? Not being able to make calls or text or whatever else. That's not even uh, considering the relational costs between Scott and I, the vacuuming, all of that. Someone has to pay. That's, that's not a high, that, compared to the, yeah, that's not a high cost, the vacuuming. <laughs> what I'm saying is it, it, it still costs me, or it costs someone in every scenario. Forgiveness is me saying, you don't have to pay. I'll pay instead, and I won't hold it against you. Forgiveness costs someone. And the thing about sin against the infinite, eternal God, right, is that to set it right, it's not, it's not the cost of an iPhone, right? The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. Because when you reject life himself, that, that is fair payment. Now, if Jesus is God and Jesus has really been hurt by the man and hurt by you and me, then he knows in this moment that forgiveness is going to cost him massively. That if he's actually going to forgive the sins of this man right here, he's going to have to pay for them. At least that's what he's claiming he can do. But of course, you can't see that in that one moment right then. And so Jesus continues. In verse uh, 24, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So to show that he can do both things, that he has authority to do both those things. He does the one thing that can be observed in the moment. Remarkable. The man gets both his legs fixed and his heart fixed. Right? Jesus doesn't promise to heal everyone physically immediately like that man. He can. He doesn't promise it, though. But healing now, healing in this decaying world, that's not his end game. Because he cares more than that. He cares enough to want to forgive our sins, even though it costs him. He wants to reconcile you to God himself, the source of life and goodness. He wants you to be free to dwell with him. See, that's the place where there will be no more pain or crying or suffering forever. Fully new functioning bodies with God forever. That's the hope of the future. That is infinitely better than just being able to walk around for another 50 or 60 years. So the question is, how did this man get the Lord's amazing favor? Well, he came to Jesus helpless. So we need awareness of our helplessness, whether we've uh, followed Jesus for a long time or whether we're not yet followers of his we need to come to him with helplessness see there were people there that day in that house who were not forgiven people who didn't feel helpless didn't see it even though they were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law they've come from all over but it's not like with the, the crowd it's not like with this man and his friends they haven't come seeking healing from Jesus they've come to to observe and as we see in the story, to judge what's happening. They don't think they need the Lord's favor. They think they've already got it. 
In the last part of the, the reading, we saw Jesus interacting with someone else who knew that they uh, needed him, Levi. He was a, a social outcast. He was a tax collector, uh, someone who was very aware of his own moral guilt. And we saw in that situation, again, the Pharisees looking on, too proud, too strong in their own eyes to join the procession of the helpless and the forgiven. And did you hear what Jesus said when they challenge him about why he's hanging out with these outcasts, these helpless people? Verse uh, 31, Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus has come to help sick people, to call sinners to repentance, to rescue them from their sin, to set them free. People who know they need it, who know they are helpless. We need to acknowledge our helplessness because that's how we come to Jesus for help. See, Jesus cares deeply. He wants not just to fix the superficial things. He wants to fix it all. He, he proves he's able to by making this man walk and by doing many other things as we read in the Gospels. However uh, helpless or powerful you feel this morning, uh, the reality is on your own, you are helplessly in the grip of sin. And sin is the cause of all the other ways that you feel helpless, that you are helpless. See, we are really like this skier we talked about at the beginning, Mike Grace, under meters of snow at Threadbow. He, he did survive, you'll be pleased to hear. You might have picked that up from the fact I had a quote from his mouth. But yeah, he, he did survive. And he was physically set free, which was great. But he was, he was still a sinner at that point. But this, this story of the paralyzed man is good news of the Lord's favor in two ways. Because Jesus helps the man physically, that's true. And the Lord's favor will ultimately mean we are free of physical and emotional brokenness. That's the future for people who are in Jesus. Because secondly, and more fundamentally, Jesus helps the man by forgiving his sins. The Lord's favor means dealing with the problem beneath the sickness an answer to the infection of sin. There is hope to experience God's favor fully with him. So I don't know how or if you do feel helpless this morning. Whatever that is, Jesus says to you today that, you know, I see your suffering. I am going to get to that. It may not be until the new creation, but I will get to it. First, though, you need the deeper thing. I come to forgive your sins. Our need is, is deeper than we know, but God's favor in Jesus is greater than we can imagine. Let's pray. Now, Father, now we thank you uh, so much for what we read of Jesus in Luke's gospel and for how he comes to bring your favor at, at great cost. Lord, please help us uh, know the reality of our world and our helplessness without him. We pray that you would help us in response to that, come to him and ask for healing and salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.